Mr. Matthew Hodell, the All-American. Matt, what's up, dude? Oh, not a lot, man. Enjoying my day. I, yeah. I uh, cleaning. That's uh, that's a big part of staying busy. Is having a place to work, I guess. But yeah, yeah. You just got Matt. This, okay, here. Let's give a little background on this shit. We tried this shit yesterday, uh-huh. and we recorded what we thought we were recording an hour and six minutes. Six minutes of glorious conversation that y'all uh, fucking missed out on because you know what I didn't do? I didn't hit the record button. Yeah, and my wife told me that's a, uh, a sign from life to slow the fuck down. Yeah. So, Those are messages, man. Those are universal messages. Those yeah, are saying everything's so, going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Exactly. Well, this is episode one of the Joe Swanson propaganda Actually, podcast. technically, wouldn't it be 1.1? 1. 1? Yeah, this is 1.1. <laughs> This is 1.1, episode 1.1 of the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. Um, this shit is just going to be me talking to dudes, and um, by dudes, I, I mean anybody. Uh, women, dudes, guys, ladies, whoever the fuck inspires me and wants to come on this shit, and I think, uh, man, has something, to, has something to say, and I want it to be a place for positivity and... and you know what, Matt and I talked yesterday, and we're going to get into this, just about how um, the tattoo industry, and, and honestly, tattoo community, I hate the word industry, it's tattoo right. community, how it was before, and uh, you know what, this is what I want this podcast to do, is bring people together, and, you know, kind of get away from all the bullshit, and figure out, you know, uh, a good community of people that can be positive, inspired. Well, yeah, it's an- it's a neat idea, you know. It's like you read the uh, interviews and you read them over and over again, but you it's always weird the first time you meet someone and you're they're like two feet shorter than you thought they were going to be and they have a raspier voice or something. So the whole podcast idea is uh, pretty cool, Joe. I appreciate you having me on for the first show. Hell yeah, man. I mean, we, like I said, yesterday we had a we had a good time talking and you know what? Let's let's start it off with it's, I told Matt this story yesterday, and uh, this is some shit that happened just a couple days ago in a tattoo shop. And this is part of what I want this thing to be is just I want to give you listeners an insight into the shit that goes down in a tattoo shop, the stuff that goes down with tattooers, and in this whole <laughs> lifestyle community. It's a wild ride. Yeah. So the other day, uh, this lady comes in early in the morning, catches my, catches my one guy, Kenny, at the shop. And uh, she wants this, you know, little tattoo on the back of her neck. So he's like, all right, let's do it. So he gets her sat down. And to give an image of this lady, she's probably in her late 40s, a little overweight. Um, she has some fucked up thing wrong with her neck that makes it look like 
it's weird goiter kind of thing hanging off. Mm-hmm. And she's got these crazy glasses, and she's... What do you mean by crazy glasses? Like, like just... They're, they were almost cra- They looked crazy on her. Right. And so they're like little rim, like wire rim glasses. Uh-huh. So they, they just didn't look right on her. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, she was... She came in. She was, you know, talking to Kenny about getting this tattoo. She's telling him how she was a famous singer for some local, you know, famous band. Oh, yeah, the famous local band. Yeah, the famous local <laughs> band. It's never got anywhere but local. You yeah. Um, so she's so she's talking to Kenny. She gets, you know, he's going to tattoo her. Sits her down. And seven-minute tattoo. She needs to take three breaks. She's white-knuckling, you know, the, the chair. It's horrible, and she, she's just acting a fool. So she has a captive audience for her her dramatic moment. Yeah, for her dramatic moment. She well, she already said she was a showman. You know, she's a, in a band. She's got to put a show on everywhere she goes, right? Lead singer, man. Yeah. Lead singer. So, yeah. um, so she gets a seven minute tattoo done. A couple breaks later, uh, and she had intended to get two tattoos that day. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, nah, you know what? I can't handle this. Like, it's too much. I can't get two tattoos. And he's like, all right, cool. And he was kind of happy. Like, he didn't want to have to go through another, like, you know, 10 minutes of nonsense with this lady. So, yeah. um, you know, she bounces with her daughter and her daughter's daughter. And, uh, you know, about 10 minutes later, she comes peeling back up in front of the shop, you know, screeches to a halt and is like, hey, man, I want to do that other tattoo. You know, so. <laughs> That's like just enough time to get to the bar, do a shot, turn around, and come back. Yeah, pretty much, right? At, at 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Pop a couple for a second, good. So she comes back. Kenny's like, you know what, lady? Sorry, you know, I, I don't got time. And he's thinking, I don't want to deal with this bitch. Right. And uh, he's like, well, why don't you come back when Joe's there? Right. Because so, you're an expert in that. Yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm an expert in dealing with <laughs> Yes, exactly. He basically said, Joe has a lot more patience and tolerance than I do. Come back and talk to him. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I've fucked him over on referring some clients to him. Right, right. It's just karma. It's more of a touche. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I've done it to him. We're, I think we're even now. But uh, so anyway, she, I see her come in, but I've forgotten the whole background story from all the guys at the shop. Um, you know, the whole story with Kenny and everything and how much of a, a problem she was. So when she's talking to me about tattooing her, I say, yeah, Kenny's got some shit going on. He's got a family emergency or whatever, so he can't tattoo you. Um, I'll, I'll tattoo you. you know, first thing she asks is how long you've been tattooing. Um, you know, hey, almost two decades. You know, what do you want? So let's get this shit done. So we get we get the, end up getting her in the chair, and uh, I'm tattooing her wrist. So she's sitting in front of me, face to face, to face uh, arm on the armrest, and I'm tattooing her. Well. 15 minutes into this tattoo, my head's down, obviously because I'm tattooing, looking at what I'm doing. She, like, fingers, like, the top of my head. Like, she, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like a little goose shot, right? And uh, I kind of pop up, and I'm like, how the fuck did you touch my head? By the way, if people don't know, Joe's got a big, bald head. I don't (laughs) I I have a bald head. I've, you know, had hair on my head. I've been shaving it for about the last, shit, 15 at least 13 years. Right. Anyway, so, so I got this bald head. So does Kenny. Now, this is going to be an important aspect of the story later. So this bitch fingered my top of my head, and I kind of 
go back. It takes me by surprise. And I go, why the fuck would you touch my head? She, she giggles. She goes, ha, 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 I, I just, you know, it's something I do. And I go, well, you didn't even it's fucking like, ask. That's like the, like a weird version of Tourette's. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, and I go, well, you didn't even ask. And then she, you know, she, she giggles again and says, well, can I touch your head? And I go, fuck no, you broke my trust. <laughs> she goes, she giggles. She goes, ah, well, well, I could touch anything else you wanted. <laughs> I just, li- I lifted the shit out. Yeah, she, she was. You uh, already I, felt violated. I felt violated for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and I looked at her and I said, you know what, lady, I'm, I'm sorry. Neither myself or my wife would like that. And so now. I mean, it had been good. She had been doing good with this tattoo. I'd had her calm down. I prepped her, said no whining, you know, no fucking crybabies while I'm tattooing you. So she knew to stay under control as far as that was. She didn't know to try to keep her hands to herself, though, and, uh, you know, try to try to get at me. But, uh, and what I found out later was when Kenny was filling out paperwork at the counter. Uh-huh. That this bitch touched his head too. Yeah, hey, like figured his head, little little, little head, uh, head toucher, touchy feely. Yeah, it happens. I guess you know. Uh, <laughs> you get some weird ones. The the couples are always good too. When you got the the male and female couple, and and they make the appointment, and then they come back, and the girls like dressed up like uh, night on the town, and the man watches you tattoo his old lady. That's always kind of freaked me out too, but. I don't know, man. People get tattooed for all kinds of different reasons, you know. Half the time, it's not even about the image; it's about the experience or, or oh, whatever, yeah. whatever weird, weird thing that they get out of it, you know. And I don't know. So that's when you gotta like, you like really just want to get through the moment, you know. Like this is an odd situation, like being stuck in the back of a van, blindfolded or something. Like just, I just want this to be over. I don't know where we're gonna end up at. Yeah, exactly. What you got? I mean, I've tattooed. You know, as young as 16, you know, in, in, where it was legal, and as old as, I think, 83 was the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the story. I tell you what. Yeah. This, is a cu- this was a couple that came in. I'll tell that story another time. But it, it, they come in all walks of life. So you have shit coming in, and people, in my opinion, are not just coming in to get a tattoo. They're coming in to mark that moment in your life. Like this bitch. Why does she come in and get music shit all you know on her body? Because she fucking was a lead singer of some, you know, what was her to her famous band, local right. band. Right. She's trying to relive that shit. She's got some fucked up surgery on her neck now. She can't sing. I don't know what. You yeah. Know. Well, that we talked about this yesterday. Just and we did t- started touching on the fact that we're in a service industry, you know, and I, I think you have that. And the first, well, for me, the first two years of tattooing was all about trying to hurry up and leave my mark uh, uh, on tattooing, which, whatever, you know, I didn't know my head from my ass, but here I am trying to put out the most awesomest thing to impress whoever was around me. So when the clients keep asking for, back then it was like tribal armbands and whatnot, I'd get more and more kind of like, man, why aren't they getting the cool stuff? Um, And there was a day that uh, the front person came in the back room and said, you know, there's a lady out there who wants Bugs Bunny on her, on her uh, ankle. And I, I was thinking to myself, ah, oh, geez, man, not again, because Looney Tunes characters were big back then. And, and um, you know, I, I talked to this lady for a while, and she, this is the first time that I realized or, the, the, the importance of what we were doing. And 
she had just broken out of a 20 year abusive relationship, like the extreme one where she couldn't wear shoes in the house and the guy would take the uh, telephone to work with them. So she couldn't call anyone and she wasn't allowed to leave the house without him. And, you know, she, she mustered up enough um, confidence to, to leave. And one of the first things she did was go get a tattoo. I kind of like, take her body back like it's hers again so it didn't matter if i was doing a unicorn or a bugs bunny it was the action or the act of it which was way more important than than whatever whatever design i thought was cool and that that kind of always stuck with me um you know and we we have a bigger impact on people than 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 what we than what we really realize you know we I have, think so. I mean, I think it comes at both extremes, though, too. Like, you can have those extreme people that, yeah, they came out of this, you know, intense situation, and they're marking that point. But you know what? You also might walk into a tattoo shop, and me and my buddy Paul uh, um, talk about this all the time, is you may just walk into a tattoo shop and look at that skull on the on piece of flash. Um, or have seen a skull somewhere, and you just want a fucking skull because that shit looks badass. Yeah. So it comes with that extreme, too, just kind of walking in going, you know what, I just want something that looks badass. Well, and that's the thing, man. Whatever whatever you think the tattoo means when you track it down or when you Google it or when it comes off uh, some weird family crest, whatever whatever you think it means going into the process of getting tattooed, it always comes out with a different meaning because – you're always going to remember, especially those early tattoos, what car you were driving, what apartment you were living in, what girl you were dating, what band you went and saw that that night after you got the tattoo. So it is. It's a perfect uh, marker. You know, I heard a story in, um, a, a while ago, and I, I wish I could remember the source. I think I read it in an article in a magazine. Um, but it had talked about um, a tattoo artist from the West meeting a tattoo artist for, from the East being uh, Japan uh, for the first time in the seventies, and they they'd had this correspondence with letters for years, but now they finally met each other. And one of the first things the Japanese artist says to the American is, he says, "You know, I really think your tattoos are cool. I wish I could have done it that way." And the American says, "These are just hodgepodge up and down my arm, you know, and uh, you're beautiful the way your your tattoo is just one big piece." And the Japanese guy says. Yeah, but I, I picked this design out when I was like 19 or 20, and it means whatever it meant, like bravery or whatever. And he said, I've had to live up to my tattoo my entire life. You, you have your entire life on you, you for better or for worse, you know. And, you know, that that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm glad I heard that younger because um, a lot of the tattoo choices I have are, are basically like, this is the moment I'm going to get this tattoo for because I'm in wherever, you know, I'm in Georgia, so I'm going to get a peach because this is a good weekend that I worked in Atlanta. And, um, you know, if you don't get the peach right then and there, the moment's gone. You can't, like, go, man, I was in Georgia once. I better get a peach for being there. Well, if you didn't get it there, you, you missed it, you know? Yeah, but you know what? You can, though, because that's what people do. Yeah. They'll go, they'll go five, five, ten years later, this motherfucker's going to walk into a shop, and he's going to be nostalgic about that time he spent yeah, it's true. in Georgia, and he's going to laugh. I should get a peach. Remember that time, dude? I remember that summer. Remember that sunset I saw there in yeah. Georgia? Sitting underneath that peach tree with that girl or wherever. Whatever he was down there in Georgia doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's remembering that shit. He wants to get that peach on. You right. So yeah, you're right. Not only that, it, it can happen anytime, but it, the same thing goes with what you're saying. Is you can, you can lay out your entire life. 
which is what makes tattooing so tattoos so cool to have is that you can remember shit. It's like a it's like a marker. A little you know? a little memento, little markers. I I in the beginning of my collecting, um, you know, of course, the very beginning, I got tattooed young. I was fifteen, and uh, I they were just to get one. Just so that I could have one too, because the older kids had one. And I'm serious, dude. When you are in high school and you're 15, and some 18 year old kid's got a big Reaper on his forearm, they're badass, dude. And you want to be badass, you know? So you go and get something. And and um, then one day, um, I was in uh, Florida, and this, I, I was like, man, I, I really want to get this tattoo touched up. Um, I was, I think I was 18 or 19 by that time, and and uh, the guy's like. Man, who did that hunk of shit on you? And at that point in time, I didn't realize that there was good and bad tattoos. I just thought it was just getting tattooed. And that, that really, like, stopped stopped me in my tracks. It like, made me feel about two inches tall. And that's when I started kind of going, you know what? I better start seeking out someone who, who knows what I'm talking about. Because um, at that point in time, I was still, like, just bringing the image in and, and thinking, well, you're the expert. You take it to the next level because I don't know. Um, and all they were doing was turning around and replicating what I had. Um, and then, uh, you started figuring out that there was like, I guess like tattooists who were competent and then tattoo artists who were, who were, could do the things I wanted, um, who could to kind of take an idea or an image and take it to the next level. And, um, that's when, that's when it kind of, you know, became cool to, uh, for the experience of getting tattooed. Cause you could go, you know, uh, I want a Mr. Lucky's tattoo, you know, the skull with the top hat and uh, the cigar holder hanging out of his mouth. Like, I, I want that, but however you want to draw it, you know, instead of bringing the exact image in, you know. And yeah. that was that was always kind of fun and surprising to, like, show up for your appointment and wonder what the hell they were going to draw, you know. that, that yeah. A little bit of anxiety the night before of, like, God, I hope I fucking like it. Do I have the balls to tell them I don't? Which you never do in the beginning, you know. Yeah. Like they're gonna they're gonna draw something up and you're gonna go okay and then like you go home and you're like why the fuck did I make this purple this is stupid or not that it happened all the time but you know what I'm saying you know like you I know, like, and then there's you know sometimes you just you end up with the right shit you know like like I went in one of the best things that my mentor Steve Hendricks from Gold Coast Tattoo shout out to that man that is a bad motherfucker right there right. He had a back piece from Eddie Deutsch, uh-huh. right? And uh, it covered up. It was a big dragon with a, with a like a, a, a hut on the one side, and um, like a Filipino hut. Uh, he lived in the Philippines, had shops in Subic Bay, and <laughs> shit like that. So he got this back piece from Eddie Deutsch, and shit was badass. And uh, so one thing he told me when I started apprenticing was like, "Hey man, if you ever can, if you can get up." Gold get tattooed by Eddie Deutsch. One of the best things he ever fucking told me because I didn't know at that point I was a couple months into this shit and I didn't know what you know. I had heard of Eddie Deutsch, I didn't know anything about him, mm-hmm. right? So I just I decided okay, I want a rock of ages. I like that little shit. Um, I'm gonna go get it from Eddie Deutsch, you know. So I make an appointment with Eddie Deutsch, like who at the time was doing it was two two two. Um, that time he was doing that big Japanese like. Just a bunch of badass shit. And I go to him and I get this, like, my forearm, you know, it's a good size piece, um, Rock of Ages. So I show up that day and um, I'm with, uh, I was with my wife at the time uh, and my friend Rose, who I was working with uh, at the time down in Monterey at Gold Coast. 
And so we go into 222, and that place was fucking. If you had ever been in, in 222, or some pic, I mean, pictures don't do that shit. That place was fucking really nice. I only and got that, a shirt. Yeah, it was <laughs> a friend of mine went and got there. tattooed there, and I got a shirt. That was about it. Yeah. I, it's one of those it shirts awesome. where you're like, "What the hell happened to that shirt? I just, I totally forgot. I had this two 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 shirt. It was like a diamond shaped or something. I had it forever. Yeah. I had, I had one too, man, for a long time. I, I wore the shit out of that thing. But uh, so I go in there that day. He draws like he's he's asking, "What are we getting again?" You know, like yeah, uh, rock of rock of ages. Oh, all right. Um, well, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I thought had, I, you know, I thought I told you what I was getting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was so intimidated. Dude. Yeah, I was so intimidated at that point. Um, I was just happy to be there. And uh, so he's yelling to Scott Sylvia, who's tattooing him there, like, "Do we have some Rock of Ages reference?" And so he tells him, and um, you know, I didn't know who that bad motherfucker was either, Scott Sylvia. You know, this whole place was like filled with badasses you know? yeah that was a big and, deal when they put that together and i was a couple months you know into tattoo and i didn't know as much you know i knew that i was in fucking the presence of some shit that was good you know um and so i get tattooed he draws this rock of ages on me uh, minus the lady with an eyeball in it and um takes him about 10 minutes to outline it and i don't know hour and a half to to shade and color the thing and it was um it was it was tight, man. It was just a fucking great experience, and it, it brings me back to that time when I was first tattooing and first learning, and you know the first part of a new for me that was a new journey that I was about to take, you know. And so I look at that and I go, man, that just brings me back to that time, and it, it's such a magical. Yeah, looking at looking and, at that tattoo and kind of remembering, and and you and that, that's the weird thing too is like I've got a tattoo on my forearm that um. Ed, my buddy Ed did, he, uh, he was working at Grimm's tattoo in Kansas city and I, it was my first forum tattoo. And, um, you know, that was, I guess it's been about 16 or 17 years ago that he did it. And I still look at it and I think it's the shit. And, you know, of course he'll see it, uh, nowadays and ask me if uh, I want to touch it up and, uh, or he has it once or twice. And I don't know, man, I still think it's pretty cool. And, that's that difference of like when the when the owner wears it, you know, you might look at it with that creative eye, like, dude, I totally should have done a little more in the background, or maybe uh, maybe it needed a little more flair here or there, and you're wanting to kind of hit it up again. And the owner is just like, no, nah, man, it's it's rad. Don't even worry about it, you know. And yeah, so that goes back to that, like you said, man, you you still look down at it, and it still holds as much as it did 17, 18 years ago when you got it, you know. Yep, absolutely. I. Uh... There was this, I was tattooing recently within the last couple of years in Monterey, California, Gold Coast Tattoo again. I was just guest spotting down there um, a couple days a week um, for a period of time. And this dude, I'm sitting in the break room, and this guy uh, comes in up in the front. I don't see him. Um, and I don't know. This is this is kind of crazy to me because I don't, I don't know why I thought that... Uh, about this, but um, I'm sitting in the break room. Counter person goes up, talks to the dude, comes back and says, hey, there's an Asian guy in here asking for you. And the, right when she uh, said that, um, I immediately thought of this guy who I'd done a back piece on within the first couple months of tattooing. Oh, yeah, that's, when, that's about the time you should start back pieces, I think, Absolutely, too. Absolutely, right? <laughs> so, but I just, I just did the outline. 
right? And it's just this outline of this dragon drawing that he brought in. Yeah. And and, and I did it on his back. You're like, and I got this, man. I got this. Dragon back beef, let's go. So so right when she says, hey, there's an Asian guy up here to see you, that that dude pops into my head. Holy fuck, what if 15 years later this guy walks into the shop, right? Sure as shit, I go up there and I'm like, what's up, dude? I recognized him. And I'm like, you got the back piece, right? And he goes, yeah, man, what's going on? Um, I'm like, can I see it? So he shows it to me, and I mean, you know, it's a fucking blown out ass outline on this old guy's back. Uh-huh. But he loved, he still loved it. Yeah. 15 years later, a shitty big ass outline blown out um, on this guy. It didn't look too shabby, though. It was blown out, but it was all right for two months of tattooing, motherfuckers. So, <laughs> which I could get, I wish I could have got a picture of it. I forgot to take a picture of it when he was there. Yeah, I don't. And, I don't he really... never came back in. I told him, I, I was like, hey, man, let's touch it up and let me put some shading in there. We'll add scale to the whole thing. We'll finish it, you know? He's like, all right, all right, yeah, cool, cool. Fucking, you know, bounced out, never saw the dude again. To, to uh, tell you the truth, man, to this day, I still get nervous if some, if um, if somebody hasn't come back to finish a tattoo. I'm, I, in my head, I'm always thinking like that, like a rejection, you know, like... Like, uh, you, you get about 80% of an arm done or, or 80% of a back done and then you just don't see them for a while. Yeah. I'm always thinking like, God, do they hate it? Have they been looking at it so long? They realize that, you know, I'm not the guy to finish it. And then they'll pop up like maybe six, seven, eight months, you know, later. Um, and they'll be, Oh no, no, man. I just, I had a kid, you know, or I, uh, I just ran out of money or my, you know, I got laid off, but now I'm back to work, you know, but in my head, it always goes straight to some personal, like, like a slide or something like a, like I'm just not worthy enough to touch them anymore or some shit, you know, and that's, I know it's all in my head, but you know, it's just how it works, I guess, you know, and I'm always like nervous about, I'm always nervous about, um, about asking who did the tattoo. Like if someone comes in the shop and you're like, Oh man, who did that? You know? Uh, and you know, it's kind of like not, not really up to par. Uh, and you don't want to be like, dude, that is, that's kind of fucked up. Who did that? And they're, you know, oh, you're, you know, a good friend of yours did it or something uh, 20 years ago. I remember I was working in the shop and a guy said, uh, who did that piece of shit? Ray Charles? And the lady looked at him and said, you did 10 years ago. (laughs) So that was like lesson, uh, early lesson to just like compliment everything you see it until they admit that they want to change it. You know, like, oh, who did that? That's awesome. Was that, was that, who was that you said? Said that story, that Ed guy. Oh no, no, no! Ed didn't say that. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to say his name. I don't okay. want to embarrass him. But it was funny the way he, the way he, uh, uh, the way he, he just so abruptly, like you know, that was like in that when the fresh water was still meeting the salt water, where customer service was starting to come into play with tattooing. Because it used to be there was only like one or two uh, shops in town that were worth going to, and everyone went to them, so you kind of had a monopoly on the market. Then, you know, we both know that in the 90s, uh, especially when the first big boom happened, and then you started having to call yourself, instead of a tattoo shop, you were a tattoo studio, and uh, you had, uh, uh, you know, yes, ma'am, what can I do for you? Uh, Okay, that's fine. Stay late. Yeah, no problem. You know, like... That you, we were still a little bit more gruff back then. Like, no, man, I, I got shit to do, you know. Like, yeah, uh, you know. We talked about that yesterday a little bit um, on the Ghost uh, podcast uh, episode one, and the loft uh, recordings we of Joe and Matt. How, you know, <laughs> back in the day, 
um, like when we first started, there was an abundance of fucking people getting tattooed in the early 90s, mid 90s. You had that first boom and it was a it was a great time to be tattooing. You know, you and you could be a little more of an asshole to people because you knew that another dude was coming in the door or you had two guys waiting already. So you could tell somebody to kind of just, you know, go pound sand because. Yeah, because we did have some. You do get some problem people that think it's all about them. And I think there's a big thing about, you know, when you, as soon as you give up control of a situation, you've lost. You know, when that guy browbeats you about the price or about, uh, forcing a design to work or about, you know, like a typical one would be like the no outline thing. Um, and you just feel like, man, I guess I've got to do it. Like the minute you kind of cave on, on, on something that, um, maybe, uh, I don't know if integrity is the word or not, but the minute you, you get them to control the situation, you, the tattoo's just lost. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't really even have the, for me, sometimes I, you know, they're like, no, I wanted, I, I had a lady who wanted it all in blue. And, um, I, at first I felt really, um, like I'd lost control of the situation. Like, how am I supposed to get a popping tattoo if it's all blue? It's a good size tattoo. Um, but you know, I don't know, man, I rethought it and kind of just figured out how I was going to make it work. Um, but yeah, yeah. Back anyway, I'm getting off track. Yeah. Back in those days, it definitely was, it was different as far as customer service goes. But the thing of it is too, is that back then, um, we talked about this too, like you didn't have to interpret an idea on the spot from a Google image or from actually like four Google images. Like you, you basically had, I think the example I used was Panthers. You had, you know, Panther going up or Panther going down. Um, and, and, and if they didn't like it, they weren't going to get tattooed that day, you know? Um, and you had, um, a lot of people. Uh, because, because you had it pre-drawn, you could process a lot of people in a given Saturday. And so when you're tattooing, you know, nine and 10 people, 11 people, 12 people on a, on a Saturday, um, and then you're doing that cons- consecutively throughout the week, you don't, you're not a happy camper, man. You know, yeah, you're, be, you're, you're can, irritable. It can be the best of days and it can be the worst of days. Yeah. You know, you have to sprinkle some, you know, fun pieces in there. And I, I think. I found um, in the in the busy walk-in shops that I've worked in, it was like that. Like you had your regulars that kind of always hung around the shop that would let you do a fun piece here and there when you were starting to feel like the daily grind of yeah. Celtic armbands and you know another baby's mama's name, you know, or another cover-up of a baby's mama's name. Yeah. So you had those people that were around the shop that become kind of part of the family atmosphere of, a, of the tattoo shop. Yeah, they're kind of like the breath of fresh air when you're in the middle of a grind and you're not really relating to anyone you're tattooing and then, you know, yeah. you got your gym or your Bob that shows up and you're like, oh, cool, I can actually talk to someone. And that was that was a struggle too, like when you'd get like, uh, back then, like maybe an armband um, took an hour or so, hour and a half, um, and then you got a big armband, might take like, you know, two hours or something. Um, and so you're sitting there with this guy and you get the tough guy that doesn't want to talk to you. And so you're like, Oh great. I get to, it's like taking a road trip with someone who won't speak the entire road trip, you know? And I remember I was tattooing this old man. Uh, he was 70 something. Uh, he's probably only 50, but he looked 70 something. And he had like a younger girlfriend who was probably like 40 something. And he wouldn't even talk to her. Like he would do a motion with his hand when he wanted his soda. And uh, he would do a motion with his fingers when he wanted a lighter or something. Um, 
And so here I am sitting with this guy, and he's not talking much. And I think he was getting actually something pretty pretty wild, like a wizard thing. And so finally I said, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? And he's like, I, I own a junkyard. And I was like, oh, cool, man. I was like, you ever find a dead body in the trunk? You know, trying to get something going here. He's like, uh, found a leg once. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. You know, like, damn. I, I said, well, what do you do? Um. And he says, uh, well, back then, you know, some people would come around and give you some money to forget about it. And I said, so what did you do? He goes, I forgot about it. So somewhere in this city, there's a, a dead a leg in this trunk of a car or something, you know. Holy um, shit. Man. And I don't know if it, it was true or not, but, you know, given given the gruff nature of this individual, I, 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 t- I tended to believe him. But, you know, back then in my early 20s, I think I believed everybody. And the shop I was working at, um, I was the youngest. I started tattooing um, when I was 20. And I think the next jump up was guy was 26. And then a couple people were in their 30s already. And one guy was already 40 years old, which... 40 back then seemed like forever. So being the young kid and being energetic and, you know, getting excited about tattooing a band or getting excited about um, just yeah. the littlest of shit, you know, they would always, like, just shoot me down, like, like uh, you know, calm down, you know. It's a big fucking deal. And I remember feeling at the time, like, crushed a little bit. Like, so I'd have to kind of, like, try to not be excited about shit sometimes and, like, try to use them as a, a lead like if they're excited about it maybe i should be excited about it if they're not yeah. excited about it you know but i don't hey, know look, if... that that happens too like i mean that happens in every honestly in every walk of life you you have that in the tattoo shop with clients as well both you know clients and tattoos i went through the same thing that you went through when i was young i was coming up with some um guys that were my age it's really like kind of Everyone was learning and everybody was like, you know, determined and, and uh, motivated and, and trying to be inspired as much as a you know, young 20-year-old can be inspired by, you know. But, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're doing that and you got to kind of taper it off because, you know, the older guys, they've done that. They've seen that. They're like... Fucking calm down, little. You know, you're like the yeah. fucking little jumpy little dog. Barky dog, I know. Guy. Yeah. Well, that's where that you that joke about the all American mat. That's where that came from. Is I I learned a tattoo like kind of um, I guess communally by a couple different people at the shop. I started at Iron Age in '95, uh, '96, um, and so Brad Fink was there. Mark Andrews, uh, the, Brad's business partner, uh, who got me going. Um, and then Brent Coleman was working there too. And they, they all kind of showed me different things. Like, so as a, together they showed me and, um, uh, I don't know what the hell I was going with that, <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, what was it like working with, I mean, Brad think is a bad motherfucker. You know, oh yeah. Well, I mean, tattoo, and what was it like coming up with, somebody of that caliber who had been around. Well, you don't know, you, you know, I was so young to, to, ta- to everything. Um, you, you knew, I knew Brad was good, but you, you don't think of him that way. You know I right. mean? It's like a day, it was a day to day thing, you know? And you know, me and we had good times. We had bad times. Um, you know, you, he would kind of show you some things, and then and then not show you other things, and then and the only thing I, the only thing I really remember Brad showing me like personally was how to draw waves and how to draw wings. Um, yeah. he, like like he showed me how to make needles on a Friday, and then the following Friday when I needed to make more needles, 
and I ask him a question, you know, he'd be like, Mike, I already showed you. <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, like you, you, you kind of figure it out. Like when you, when you had your moment to listen to Brad, you just, just listen to him. But for the most part, what I learned about Brad was he was already doing a lot of large work back then. And so learning from Brad is more like just watching and observing and seeing what he was doing and how he was applying things. And, but like the, for the, for what I needed, um, you know, Ren showed me a lot. Mark showed me what he could, what he could show me, but it was just the dumb shit. You know, I had to, um, I was supposed to be there at eight in the morning, uh, to tattoo somebody, which is usually like the squatter punks that were in the neighborhood. They didn't care what they got. And then I was still fronting. So I'd have to have the shop open by noon and then I'd keep the shop open until 10 then clean the shop up and maybe do another tattoo or, um, Mark Andrews was letting me live in his attic. So, you know, I'd try to like go down to the bar and steal some beers and then uh, wake up and do it all over again. But I would, those mornings, you know, uh, I didn't really have a co-pilot, you know, hold my hand through the tattoo. Um, So I would be in there by myself and this unlucky patient or, you know, customer and Rin, Rin would show up and be like, what are you doing, dude? And I'd be like, I don't fucking know. I'm just trying to get through this moment. I'd like dig yourself in a hole, dig yourself out of a hole. It's like learning golf. You know, you really, you really learn your recovery shots early, you know? I think yeah. that, that's where those big bold outlines came from. Right. But, yeah. uh, I gotta fucking let my cat in the, in the room. All right. So, take a, uh, this is a, taking a first break so, with Joe Swanson and Matt Odell. <laughs> All right, you tell tell him a, a fucking story, man. <laughs> a story. I don't know if I got any, any that I can remember right now. Um, well, I think the uh, we were talking about this yesterday. One of the biggest things, uh, one of the biggest things in the '90s was getting to go to Japan. Um, I had Sabado had put out this. Um, we got a we got a we got a third DJ with us, Kitty Cat DJ. Awesome. Sabado was, uh, he had put out this, uh, magazine article. He was really pumping shit out into the magazines back then. And he had put one out and, um, it was just different than everything I had seen so far. It was big. It was bold. It was colorful. It didn't have the little bit of de- little bitty details packed in it as much as it was just a big, broad picture and, um, really legible. And so at that point in time, you know, I'm getting tattooed by the people that I want to learn from. And he was announcing that he was going to be at the San Francisco convention in 97. And, uh, I was like, you know, I, I think that's it. You know, I want to go to the San Francisco convention and get tattooed by him. Well, Brad had said, why don't we just go to Japan? You know, Brad had never been, I'd never been. So we set up this trip to go get tattooed by Sabado in, um, 97. And, uh, that was um, uh, a whole. Hey, Matt, yeah. Hang on one sec, man. I don't know why it seems like we're having a little bit of uh, like audio problem. I can't hear you very well. Okay. Well, let's fix out the audio. We'll continue. You can edit. You can edit a yeah, transition. Go ahead. In. Yeah. Keep going. But are you good? Yeah. I tell you what. Hey, let me go take a piss, and then we'll do part two. All right, you go take a piss. I'm gonna to talk to these motherfuckers. Are we just? Uh, are you gonna? Are you, oh, I'm All sorry, right. Joe. I thought we were gonna. You were gonna edit it just a little bit. I ain't gonna edit shit. Ah, well. You just go. You just go and take a piss. Just go, man. Just go. No, no, no. Okay, keep going. So anyway, I was. Um, my bad. I just ruined the first one. So we're not. We're not taking any breaks. This is live. As, as you, no, what you get, what you I, get. I mean, it's, it's not live. But you can, uh, you can oh, go out, man. I can talk. No, no. I so even, I don't even mind. Well, I'll keep up, man. Gonna, I can tell a story about uh all right i'm gonna tell him a story about the rose tattoo that you did at the 98 venezuela tattoo store 
invention oh, yeah? that stuck with me um, okay. until this day. And I, I draw it for people quite often. And that's the my shit don't stink from. So go take your piss and, and come, come back to me. All right. All right. Hurry up. <clears throat> All right. So we were at Matt and I met at uh, a Dennis Wire tattoo tour uh, convention in 1998. Um, uh, we had been corresponding a little bit back and forth. And uh, so he, he and I met out there. He was in Miami Beach. Um, he was tattooing. I don't know what booth he was tattooing. Or maybe it was the Iron Age booth, or um, maybe he was just there on his own. I can't remember. But I remember coming by. Um, I wasn't tattooing. I had two food over there by Jeff Fresher um, and hung out. Uh, saw a bunch of cool shit. Uh, hang, hung out with my dad. That was amazing because uh, he hated tattooing. Uh, but I go over there, uh, middle of the afternoon, and here's Matt uh, with this lady, um, and she's going to get this little rose tattoo on her, I think it was her ankle, maybe her shoulder, I don't know. But it was a pile of shit, um, like imagine soft serve ice, ice cream piled in a cone, and uh, it was like that, rose uh, petals uh, surrounding it. And uh, a little bit of green, uh, you know, fumes coming up off of it with a few little flies. And it said, my shit don't stink. And uh, that was, where did you put that tattoo? That, that was actually, that was on the, a Sky, that was the first time I met him. It was on this guy named Kirk. Oh, and, I thought it was on a chick. Yeah, that's so funny how our brains work. It was on our, my friend, uh, now my friend Kurt, I uh, met him at that convention. And ironically enough, he... Um, Ended up moving to the St. Louis area probably ten years ago, so I still see him from time to time. He was a—he's a funny dude. He had like a um, a sandwich uh, with bananas in it, uh, like some kind of Elvis like sandwich on his stomach, and just all kinds oh, of wild good. shit. He was a nice guy, man. He was real cool. I think I think Elvis used to eat fried banana san- or fried peanut butter sandwiches with bananas. Yeah, it was one of those like tribute tattoos. And the, you know, the funny thing about that that design is, is that I would—I don't know if what happened to me but i'm like less apt to do like the t-shirt tattoo nowadays than than back then and i don't know if i became like an old old fart or or i just somebody somebody said one time i was doing a it's not, it was actually uh alan when we were at um alan thompson uh, when we worked at uh, iron age together i was doing like a sacred heart of uh, can of worms or some spin-off of sacred heart and he was, he kind of said, isn't like, he said something like, isn't the Sacred Heart cool enough? Like, why would you have to fuck it up by making it like worms? And then I right. started realizing like, yeah, why do I, why am I taking this shit and making it funny? And then I thought about it. I was like, well, why do I want a portfolio of shit people are going to laugh at? Why wouldn't I want a portfolio of shit people thought was awesome? And so kind of from that day. I tried to be a little bit more, a little bit more uh, serious or whatever. I don't I, you know, just, I don't know. I, I think there's something to be said about like in that beginning, like if you don't want people to look at uh, the quality of the work, then you just make it look stupid or funny or, oh my God, you know, like, like the balls hanging below the shorts on the side of the leg or something when they're wearing swim right. trunks. Like, wouldn't that be funny if like at the minute it's like, wouldn't it be funny if that's like dead? Don't just don't even go any farther with that. Right. Just, right. just let it well, be like, don't actually do it. You know, you can, you can, you could hide that shit back there with, you know, some fucking curvy lines and some flair to a design that was done shitty, but it looked funny or it had some character to it some other way. But nowadays you can't do that because of the, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, just the saturation with how quickly you can get that shit. Like I 
literally take a picture of a tattoo, post it up on Instagram, at OG Joe Swanson, by the way, on Instagram. Follow me. And uh, if you would like, I'm not telling you what to fucking do. Not tell them, Joe. Uh, tell them. <laughs> tell them what they tell them what they uh, want, what not, yeah. uh, tell yeah. them what they need, not what they want. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I can put it up on Instagram, and in seconds, it can be seen all over this world. So oh yeah. You have less of a. There's so many more. Yeah, I, I think it's for the. I think it's for the good. You know. Um, the, obviously, it's, it's had a, like a, a side effect. Um, but but you know the reason the reason I traveled so much in the beginning was is you were constantly looking at old bones. Like if a magazine came out, like and I, I was talking about Sabato earlier, you got to realize that back then it took like four to six months to get that issue out once they got the the images, and then it took a year to do those tattoos before that. So whatever you're looking at in that magazine, by the time it hits the stand. Back then, it was something that guy did a year and a half ago. So you can only imagine the leaps and bounds he might have made in a year and a half. So really, the only way to figure out what someone was up to was to have the balls to write him a letter, tell him a little bit about yourself, maybe drop a name if it was appropriate and done with a little bit of class, you know, and uh, maybe throw some photos of things you've been working on um, and then hope, you know, ask like, hey, would it be possible for me to come out and uh, work with you? and, you know, you start figuring shit out, like, um, why does everyone in Minnesota get tattooed one way and why does everyone in Florida get tattooed another way? You know, I was taught, like, uh, in the beginning to use uh, threes and fives, tight threes and tight fives to start all my tattoos with. Um, and then I took that same approach to one of my, I think it was my second or third guest spot. I went down and we were talking about Ed Madigan at Artistic Body Work yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that guy. And, um, we'll that yeah, stuff. that guy. Well, I mean, the first person I tattooed was a beach local, and I tattooed a little flower on her with a type three, and it just cut her to shit, you know. <laughs> so you're, and then you got to kind of look around and realize everyone else is using a looser five or a seven on everyone they're tattooing, and you're like, ah, you know. Um, so you know, kind of, you kind of get a reason to why people are doing what they're doing um, um, by traveling around them. Um, just like if you get a tattoo machine from a guy in Minnesota versus a guy in Florida, you know, uh, on some days the, the Minnesota machine works good on some days, the Florida one works good. But yeah. until you've actually figured out why they set it up with the way they're setting it up by going and working there, then you, then you'll know like that harmony of parts starts coming together. Here comes yeah, this different, dude. Different he's all types of skin react differently. Yeah. And set your machine up accordingly and different amounts of sun are going to affect people differently. Sure, man. Yeah, for people that don't know that don't tattoo, and yeah, if you work if you work outside all the time, you're gonna have that rougher skin, and and it even like if you start really paying attention to that, um, you take a guy who like uh, mows lawns for a living. Well, he always has his shirt on, so the bottom from the elbow down is gonna be rougher, and from the uh, elbow up is gonna be softer. It's gonna be like night and day. You're gonna have half Minnesota and half Florida. So if you're really thinking about it, when you draw the design. You'll save like all your maybe like your little special trick that you've been wanting to try. Uh, you'll save that for the top part, and the bottom part will be a little bit slower in the design, you know. So I get that. I guess all that comes with time and age and experience or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure, man. Like that's uh, it's just shit you got to think about. You know, we were talking about um, yesterday uh, design layout a little bit and, and stuff like that. And it's about um, minimizing those awkward moments in your drawings, and I think one of the 
I think one of the biggest things is in tattooing is all is also minimizing awkward moments within within the tattoo. So mm-hmm. if you're using a if you're using a type three on something that you're not gonna um, that's gonna chew up the skin, well, you made that moment awkward. It's gonna look bad. It's gonna look shitty. And you know you needed to do your homework. You needed to do your research and your preparation and respect that what you're doing enough to to do that, you know what I mean? To think outside the box and think about what all the, uh, what everything involved. Well, yeah, in I was, this I, I guess when I was talking about that awkward moment part, it's, it, it has, uh, I was thinking of situations like, um, foreground versus background and, um, what you're trying to, uh, to how you want your tattoo to be read. I mean, I think, um, I think the, the word visually literate, um, was thrown out there a couple of years ago and, how does a tattoo read? We say that all the time. I mean, if you don't tattoo, the most basic way to say this is if I were to get a word like, um, um, I don't know, give me a word, Joe, like a super duper. If, if, if I wrap that around the arm, you're only going to see ooper do like in the yes. middle. You know, you're not going to, so the guy's got to like spin to see the whole thing. Well, in the same sense, if it's like a big, um, a big uh, zebra head or a big you know horse's head, and you wrap the whole thing around. Well, from the side, all you see is the eyeball. You don't even see the right. snout or the ear. So you've got to think put, about that, the, right? Are you going to put the word Leona on some guy? And uh, if you wrap it around, man, it's going to look like he's uh, you know liking Lee. Yeah. So you got to think about those moments, um, and then you got to think about what what background is the, is going to support this. Um, how am I? Do I want a background that's going to be busier? Do I like for instance? Uh, if you had like a simple flower, just a really simple flower floating in the background uh, in, 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 as a main image, well, then maybe speed it up by putting it in, in a nice uh, water background where you get a lot of finger waves and a lot of motion, and then the, the flower becomes the neutral, the kind of like the easy on the eyes part, you know? Right. Uh, or like maybe you flip it around and you got something that's very busy, but then you slow the background down with just a, so some simple clouds or... Um, yeah. So, so that you're 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 constantly creating these contrasts, um, whether it's you know the typical ones like warm on cool or cool on warm or bold line to thin line, which ironically enough I've started to kind of get back into, um, going back and figuring out which line should be bold and which line should be thin. Hey, you know what, man? Check this shit out. This is why when somebody comes into a tattoo shop and they want to get tattooed. And they, they need to, to a certain extent, allow the artist, tattooer, to have creative license with their design. Now, that's, it's incumbent upon us as the, as the tattooer, as the one with the most information. You know, we need to, we're going we're gonna to put all that shit that you just said. Well, hopefully, yeah. Sounds hopefully <laughs> to somebody. We're going to hopefully put that all into the design. Yeah, and I, I think and so. I think that there's also like a split though, Joe, like you can't just say like blindly go to your tattoo artist and go, well, you're tattooing. I trust you. You know, like nowadays, like there's, there's not that, that pedigree anymore. Like, Oh, you know, when a guy comes and applies for a job at at the shop, you know, and there, you you know, in the old days that you'd go, Oh, where did you work before? And that was a good indicator about what type of integrity, what type of work ethic that this person had to put out just to stay in that shop. Right. Where now, you know, um, you know, people just taught themselves, and then that person taught someone else, and you know that person taught here, someone here's, else. Here's what I, I was thinking about this shit just today, right? Um, and here's what I think about that, man. 
it's just it's the same way I think like uh, alcohol um, makes if you're a shitty person, alcohol is going to make you more shitty. Right. You know what I mean, if you're an angry person, it's going to make you angry. If you're a happy person, it's going to make you happy. You know what I mean? And uh, here and and so there's so many new people out there tattooing right now because it's so readily accessible. Sure. And uh, you know. The information is all there, right? Sure. Now, the people that have it in them to be ethical, to be moral, to be respectful, and to, to put the work in, those are the people that are going to come up and be amazing, regardless if they would have apprenticed 10 years ago. Um, you know what I mean? Those personality traits are going to come through. Well, I think now, I, think I would take... What happens, though, is is because it's so accessible and so many people are getting into it, there's just a greater amount of idiots doing the shit. And it and those guys are the gems that just because they didn't apprentice a, a, a certain way or have the same experience somebody else did, just because they didn't do that, they get, you know, lumped into this category of assholes who are going to learn over the internet. And they may be the most bad motherfucker that comes out. Like... You never know. I think that you so need to. I just think like I just think like um, we got to give some people who didn't learn the same way we learned still some credit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what I was gonna say is you got to like look at a parallel industry like like uh, haircutting or uh, being be a salon or a barber, and you got to realize that there are, again we're in a service industry, so there's different demands, you know, and um, you're gonna need those guys that just do flat tops. You know, you're gonna need those guys that just do uh, a fade, and right. and you'll see them on Instagram every day. They're posting like a, a straightforward clipper ship, and it looks fucking great. And you're gonna see them post a flower; it's gonna look fucking great. But the people you're talking about, um, those are the ones that will eventually get to the point where they go, you know, I made a little bit of money doing this, and that's fine. Um, but I don't think I can do another fucking clipper ship just the way it was drawn. In, um, anymore. I want to do something a little bit, a little bit more. And those are the guys that, um, and I, this happened to us at, at uh, Iron Age back in the day because we only had one little flash rack. Um, we would do the same two or three Panthers a couple different times a week. And, you know, you start breaking the mold. You start going, well, today the, the, the tail's going to go left and tomorrow it's going to be furry and the next day I'm going to do blue in it with the black and the next day I'm going to do blood with the claws just to try to break out and then yeah. I don't know what happens. Eventually, you go, you know what? I'm going to do a panther attacking something because I'm kind of tired of doing just this stock and trade panther. And I, I don't, like you said, I don't know whether one's good or one's bad, but there's a place for everyone. And as far as like, you know, the industry getting more and more people, so be it, man. The, the, um, the trick is, is if you want to stay busy, you can either align yourself with a shop that's going to be dumping a lot of money into advertisements in a good location. It's run efficiently by the owners and by managing staff. Um, and you'll, you're guaranteed to make money every day. And you're going to have a shift and you're going to, um, you know, hopefully get in with a good bunch of dudes. Um, and uh, I think that's you'll, that you'll right be okay. There, man, that right there is key because, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was to like, connect and reconnect with people who are like-minded, who have um, the same ideas and interest in tattooing and passion for it that I do, and connecting everybody together. And if 
somebody out in St. Louis wants to come out to California and tattoo, I know that we can put that out and say, come on out. And he's going to be busy because, right. you know, people became familiar with him by talking like this for, you know, hour, hour and a half. And they're psyched on it, you know. Well, the, the, um, the flip of what I was talking about, though, is. Like, if you came out to my shop, I, I own a shop called Ragtime Tattoo with, with my business partner, Matt C. You're not going to make any money because we're not that shop. We're not dumping money into advertisement, and we don't have a big floor space. And it's just us. So, you know, um, we, 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 are, we are relying on our clientele and our customer service and our quality of work to keep people coming back. And uh, that's the other trick is, like, how do you get people to drive past 12 shops to come get tattooed by you? You know, and you were talking about before about what type of person are you? It's you're you're a showman. You're uh, you're trying to get people to not only talk about the tattoo they got, but w- want to come and hang out with you. Want to fucking yeah. hear your stories. Want to be around you. You know, be a likable person. You know, um, but I I think I've got a I've got a couple things going for me, um, and, and I don't know if I'm. It's called tethered to St. Louis, but I did grow up here, and. Uh, I did start tattooing here, and I left, and I tattooed in a couple of different cities. Um, and it is—it's hard to build a clientele in a city you're not from. Um, so being back home, I, I'm fortunate—not because I'm the most awesome tattoo artist in the world, because I'm not—but I'm fortunate that I have like the trust level. Because when you uh, get that phone call from a guy you went to high school with 20 years ago, they finally have come around. They're like, "I'm going to get tattooed." I know Matt because I grew up with them, so I'm going to get those clients as well. Um, and I'm going to get the clients that have seen my work uh, out in public and have, you know, talked to the uh, individual who's wearing my work. And they're going to go, yeah, I had a good time with Matt. Um, the shop's really uh, mellow and uh, it's not going to be super busy and intimidating and you'll be um, you'll be welcome there. Um, so I've got that going, that's, too. I mean, and, that's I think what everybody is creating an environment in their shops and it's your personality, you know, like my shop. Black Dagger Tattoo is two years old. I opened up October 1st, 2010, and we're building it. You know, I'm building that shop with my personality, and, and, a, and it's creating its own personality with the guys that I have there. And I want it to be a place where people can come, hang out, have fun, right. um, be positive, and it's an enjoyable place to be. Um, and I hope that, I hope that you know, that's what, you know, but it's a different experience. That's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, right. so my shop is going to be a different experience, and then your shop, right. your shop, sure. will be a different experience in the shop you came from. Sure. And everybody needs to find what they're comfortable with as clients or as, as people get tattooed, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, man, that's it's, it's there's that. a shoe for everyone, man. I, it's kind of like we talk about this journey that we're going through, like through our career. Um, and it, it's kind of like one of those, uh, like it's like a goalless journey. It's like never you do that tattoo and fucking confetti falls from the ceiling and you're like, oh my God, I did it. So that's yeah. tattooing. I finished, huh? You know, it's not a video game or anything. It's, it's going to keep going. So right. uh, one of the things about having so many shops uh, in, a, in a city you live in, like Albuquerque, um, if you go down, uh, I think it was like two miles of Central, I think I counted at one time 58 or 48 tattoo shops. I'm not even shitting you. It's just a ton of shops out there. Um the only thing is, is that uh, you're you, you, the only positive. That that's a little extreme, but in a town where if all the shops are getting along, it's kind of like this road trip where, like, you know, every once in a while people go, you know what? I think I want to ride in their car for a little while. You know, I'm, not that anyone here's 
a jerk or any or any of that. It's just I need a different. I just need a different environment for a minute, you know. And that that I think is cool because you can go across town and work with someone else for a couple of years and then maybe mix it up and go work on a different shop. Where, you know, back when I left Iron Age, um, you know, there was only one other uh, shop in town that was really doing something um, like-minded. Not that it was good or bad, but only one other shop in town was doing like-minded. And shit, back then we'd been, you know, bad mouthing them for two years, three years, you know, playing playing the back and forth game. And well, yeah, what are you gonna do? Quit and then go work across town? Because they, I don't know, man. I just, you know, you just left town. You know, there was you had yeah, to leave, I know, man. I think, I think uh, there's something. There's gonna be a lot of shops in every town. Sure, nine in my town. Two's opened up since I opened up. You know what? I can't. I can't care what they're doing. You know what I mean? No, like, not I can't at all, concern man. Concern myself with what is happening. If they're, you know, I just need to focus on what I'm doing, what my shop's doing, make it a good place, and you know what, things are going to come uh, come together. You know what I mean? Right. Work um, on your product. You are your yeah. product. Work on your product, and 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 then you know, I like stay on my hustle. Yeah. When when you you know, um, some of the things I've done to keep myself in contact was, you know. Uh, there was, there's this whole stigma with tattooing. Like, yeah, if you want to get tattooed by me, call the shop, you know? Uh, and then maybe I'll get the message or maybe I won't. And then maybe I'll call you back or maybe I won't. And then, then now have you come down and do a consultation or all whatever. Um, but you know, if you were, if you were, a, a, um, a contractor and you built decks for a living, you know, and that was your income, that's what you did. You're the product. You build good decks. Why would you have them call an arbitrary number? And then maybe you might call them back. Here's somebody willing to give you money. So, you know, I, I just kind of took the approach of, like, here's my cell phone number. Um, and then I put on the message, uh, if you actually call it, hey, just give me a text. And then uh, one of the things I learned from, you know, reading old books like from Dale Carnegie and whatnot is, you know, someone texts you on a Sunday, say, hey, cool, glad to hear from you. I'll call you on Tuesday, you know. And then they know. And then Tuesday you sit down and you make all your phone calls and you get all your appointments or consultations lined up. And you make it easy for them to get a hold of you rather than hide behind this like whole like mystery and pain in the ass. And cause you're right. There's thousands of shops where they're going to call you. They've never even met you. They're going to call you a thousand times. You're never going to call them back. You know, yeah. no one's going to put up with that. You got to give them a well, reason that's the difference between there. That's the fear that there's a lot of fear though. I think with, you know, a lot of people don't know that the tattooers know this for a fucking fact that there's fear that if you allow somebody to give out their cell phone or be able to, connect directly that you know that person is going to go out build a clientele and go open up open up a shop around the corner now that being said that shit is out the door son because you got the internet you got facebook it's already happening you know anybody can go around you five different ways just because they don't have this motherfucker's cell phone number it doesn't matter they have Five other ways: email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, what do I? I have. I have two web pages. So it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah. It just. I think, and that, and that's like the other thing too is like you know I've worked in those shops where um, the product was the original three people that tattooed there. Then it gets busy and busy and busy, and you keep adding and adding and adding more and more artists to keep working there. And then you know you're working, you're working under the name of the shop. Um, and you, I don't know, man, I, 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 am not good with more than four or five people at the shop. Once it gets to be seven and eight other tattoo artists there, 
it's not that that you know there's some people that would dig that for me it just it i would rather work with the, you know two three four people because yeah. you get you get a little you get a little yeah it's a decent size you become like a cell you become like a you know there's a reason you don't send like um oh, whatever that's that doesn't make any like sense. I'm like a sleep cell now. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. You know, it's you get it's it, and those are some of my best memories of those shops I worked at, like Trader Bob's and Iron Age, when it was like just the just the three or four of us. Those were some really yeah. good memories, you know. But it, yeah. everything grows, everything gets better, you know. And and like I said, you. I like you just, the way I like the way it is right now. I like the the connectivity that everybody has. I sure. think it's amazing. You're at a fucking great time in tattooing right now to do a lot of cool things. And I'm loving it, man. I, I dig it. I think that uh, being able to sit down here and talk to you uh, and reconnect and tell stories and bullshit and for other people to be able to listen to this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. You know? And I, I think um, this this is a part of the process, too, of like uh, yesterday we were talking about being a how many hours it takes to become a competent practitioner. That's not my idea. It's, 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 it's a common idea that it takes 10,000 hours to be a competent practitioner in any trade you're in. So let's think about this real quick. That's five years of a trade. So um, after the five-year mark, you really kind of know um, you're, you're comfortable in damn near every situation. Now let's take tattooing as it's been with the Internet blowing up and the TV shows especially being a huge influence. Um, that was all about seven years ago. So then in the, in the short time after that, you've got a whole influx of people wanting to be a part of tattooing, right? So I don't know what the number would be, but I would not be surprised if 60% of the tattoo artists out there right now have less than five years experience, right? So let's say that at least half of the workforce of tattooing are not competent practitioners yet, but they will be. And then, uh, when they all be, when, I would maybe, when was, um, when was, I just, this just hit me as you were saying this shit, right? Because I was thinking about it and it comes into what I was saying earlier, but when was that study done? How long ago was that study about the 10,000 hours? Because you know what the, with the saturation of information now, honestly, man, like I think that people can get way better, way faster. Well, no the, the point, the point of being a competent practitioner isn't about being knowledgeable in one subject. It's about, it's about. And if you read if you read the book if you read the book if you read the book Outliers, it gives a great example in the first chapter about what the ten thousand hours truly means. To put because you can't you know a comedian will tell you nothing replaces actually being on stage. Write all the write all the jokes you want, but until you've been on stage a couple of times, it doesn't you know you've got to get up there and do it. So that that's why the ten thousand hours is important. Is you've got to be doing it, not just oh, I learned something and I tried it. You've got to keep doing it because. Anyway, my point is this: is that the 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 next ripple effect in them and this whole new crew of young tattoo artists, the next ripple effect is going to be, and you're already seeing it happen. Um, the information is going to float down to the clients, and the clients are going to slowly start learning what's good, what's bad, what one shop is good for, and what another shop is good for. You're already seeing it, you know. Um, like in my in my town, you'll have one guy who's got. Um, He's got four artists he goes to. One artist he goes to because he knows he can get in that day. You know, another artist he goes to because he really digs his traditional work. Another artist he goes to because he digs his job work. And I think that the 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 on a larger scale, um, people are going to start realizing. Um, uh, the the, the uh, what am I looking for? The the the, um, the community uh, is they're getting tattooed. They're going to know. 
um, what a good and a bad tattoo is. But I guess that's what I'm trying to say in a nutshell. We're now, you know, they kind of get hoodwinked. Say that again. We're not what? Uh, I say I don't fucking know what I said. <laughs> you know what? You broke that shit down. I'll tell you what. Look at that, people. Matt, motherfucking all-American Hodel, breaking shit down on well. the Swans and Propaganda podcast. <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you at? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, uh, well, if you I what I have, if you Google my name, you'll find links. It's Matt Hodel, H O D E L, tattoo. Google that, you'll find a bunch of stuff. I um. Uh, own a shop with a business partner of mine called Ragtime Tattoo. My business partner is Matt C. It's just the two of us in there. Um, you know, Google me on Facebook. Uh, Google me. Um, I got www.matthodeltattoo.com, ragtimetattoo.com. What's um, your Instagram? And you can find me on there too. And um, yeah, I mean, those are all awesome tools. Uh, to get a hold of this. Yeah, and I got a blog. I got a blog too, you know. So that's that's like kind of like the what we were talking about before, you know. Um, you can you can sit there and throw thirty thousand dollars a year towards advertisement, and then you have shop hours, and you sit there and wait and see if it pays off. You know, who's gonna who's who? Did you advertise in the right spots? Are people gonna come in the door? Um, the kind I of the, think, the pro- I think right now. I think right now, Matt. Unless you're unless you're just It'd be crazy for somebody to be spending thirty grand on that. Oh yeah, but they do. With the you way know? that the internet is. Well, yeah, but, but but they do. Those those shops that are that are they're they're trying to get the new client that are you know. But but people don't open up the Yellow Pages ads as much as they used to. No, they're going to find you on Yelp, man. Right, and so you know the kind of the angle I took was, um, and I was talking about a minute ago, touching on it is using um, your clients as your number one advertiser. Um, yeah. And then uh, getting out there, uh, I spent the last two years making sure that when you Google my name, I get as many pages as possible. And there's tricks to that. You can buy services. You can, um, you know, create a blog. And every time you do a blog, it's a news group. So that becomes another part of a, of a search engine. Um, and there's ways to write HTML to put yourself on the search engines. Anyway. Look at you talking HTML. Yeah. Man, well, you're it, crazy. Where are you at right now? St. Louis? Yeah, I'm in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Louis talking about HTML and tattooing <laughs> yeah. on a podcast. Well, but that's yeah. it. That's yeah, it. I don't find you. We're I, gonna, I think we're going to wrap this up because I see your little beautiful little daughter there. Right. To get your attention. And uh, I want people to go and check out Matt at MH or ML Hotel on Instagram. Google that dude. Ragtime Tattoo. And I want to uh, read this last little bit. This is something that I was turned on to by uh, a good tattooer, um, and I thought it was great. Something Mike Malone said in the Tattoo Time magazine, the great tattooing is going to come from unlikely places, not from the young Mozarts and the shooting stars. We're looking for the Sinatras, the long-run guys that are going to go in and out of fashion. In the end, they'll always be there. Consistent hitters. This motherfucker, Matt Odell, is a consistent hitter. Go Follow him. Follow me, OG Joe Swanson. And we will see you on episode two of the next podcast. And hopefully I'll get this shit up on iTunes. You can comment, rate, you can do all that stuff. Um, And, you know, tell your friends. Retweet it. Tweet it. You know, do all that stuff. Stay on your hustle. Get your game on. And make your money where you can. All right? We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Joe. Turn off the lights and close the door.
Yeah, my money on my mind. Rolling eyes straight, smoking in a dope, sipping on gin and 